God is looking for willing vessels. God is looking to use people who are faithful and available to him. In Acts chapter six, it tells us regarding Philip and some of the other leaders mentioned there that he had a good reputation. He was full of the Holy Spirit and he was full of wisdom um, as well. So obviously here, Philip was a man who was pursuing godliness. He had tremendous faith and he was ready to be powerfully used. We don't stand a chance apart from the supernatural guiding and power of the Holy Spirit leading us. Amen? Welcome to Live in the Light today, friends, and we're glad you're here, and we pray that you are ready to hear from the Lord and specifically God's Word for each of our hearts. You've joined us today for a message in the book of Acts, and Pastor Robbie is in our studio today, and Robbie, today's message is all about guidance, but we begin our story with a supernatural appointment. We love this text, Craig, and this is an Ethiopian eunuch, an incredible incredible gospel conversation that goes on, the transformation, man, immediately gets baptized. We're really emphasizing today, listeners, you got to listen to this, man. The Holy Spirit wants to lead us to supernatural appointments. We're going to see, again, an irrefutable example and testimony of how supernaturally God leads his church in appointments and conversations, and then again, transformation. Wow, don't you long to continue to see that? I mean, all the things that have been happening in our world and months and years of late. We need a supernatural encounter with the Lord to see supernatural transformation. And there is a fantastic passage in front of us today to whet our appetite, to get our hearts beaten in the right direction, and to see our faith increase, to believe how much God wants. Even as I say that right now, yes, Lord, do it. We need you to do that. Would you lead us to certainly, again, quote, Ethiopians that we can share and minister Christ to who are ripe and ready to respond to the life-saving message only found in Jesus Christ. So, hey, get that seatbelt bucket up a little tighter. You can sit up a little straighter. Get that pen in your hand again a little firmer and get ready to see the Lord and encounter Him in your life today. Oh, Craig, may it be so. Amen. Amen. All right. Awesome. All right. Let's get right at it. Acts chapter 8, a message entitled Supernatural Guidance. Here's Robbie with today's message. Again, Acts chapter eight, and as we uh, get there, uh, there's a there's a verse that has been on um, my study desk for many many years now. This has been um, actually it was a gift to me from some people in our church many years ago, and it's something that has again been very very precious to me. So when I'm sitting down preparing a message, sitting down just facing the day, it's a verse I will often pray, and has been again particularly powerful to me. So Psalm 43 verses eight and verse ten: Let the morning bring me word of your unfailing love for I've put my trust in you. And I love where it says, um, show me the way, it's right to be highlighted. Show me the way I should go. For to you, I lift up my soul. Teach me to do your will for you are my God. Let your good spirit lead me on level ground. Now look at this, look at this psalmist praying for the supernatural guidance, which is our theme today from our text. Supernatural guidance. Notice, show me 
and then notice teach me and notice lead me. Um, he's just, he's so transparent and he's not saying, hey God, um, this is what I wanna do, would you bless it? No, he's like, God, um, you show me what you want me to do. You teach me your will. Often we, we come to God and we're like, well, God, here's my will. And I'm hoping that you'll kind of come alongside and put your stamp on. No, no, he's like, teach me your will. At the end of the day, Holy Spirit, you lead me, lead me. This is such an important prayer. By the way, if you want 2020 to look different than it has in the past, um, I commend, pray this prayer daily, if not several times a week, um, your year is gonna look different. You sincerely come and you pray like the heart of the psalmist, your year is going to look different. So on this theme this week, supernatural guidance, something that's so clear, lead us, Holy Spirit. I had a dear sister in Christ. She came up to me just before the prayer meeting. God was burdening her and she begins to explain again her expectation for God's spirit to lead. And she says, Psalm 143, verse eight, meant so much. I'm like, what Psalm? What Psalm? What verse? And she's like, Psalm 40, 143, verse eight. I said, no way, that's awesome because that's gonna be what my introduction is for this weekend. And in that moment, and she was encouraged, I was so encouraged. She explained to me the part of this verse that meant so much to her. But for me in a small way right there, that's like the Lord saying, yep, man, you're on the right track. I'm moving in this church. There's many people being led in this way because listen, listen, church, church, we don't stand a chance apart from the supernatural guiding and power of the Holy Spirit leading us. Amen? Amen? We don't stand a chance. And I need you to be involved with me today, okay? Like third service, it gets tiring. So the energy of the service helps a lot, all right? It helps a lot. I love you all so much. I really, really do. I'm excited we get to do this together. And we're gonna see this as a component of the early church today in Acts chapter eight. They were so massively dependent and the extraordinary things they saw as the Holy Spirit led the church supernaturally. Of course, we are no different. We're gonna examine how the Lord is leading them supernaturally. We're gonna unpack it and then say, God, do that in our lives. Do that in our lives. Now, now, today, this isn't a time where I preach and you sit and listen, take a couple notes and then go home and nothing changes. Well, I pray in Jesus' name, that doesn't happen today, okay? I pray in Jesus' name today. This is like all of us together committed here in this church that we are listening and engaged and desirous to actually see the Lord do what he says he can do and will do through willing participants who want to be filled by his spirit. So I'm just, again, coming at this in a bold sense to say, I'm not here to go through the motions, okay? I'm not preaching preaching this again, preaching my heart out for a third time just to kind of get through this and go have lunch. That's not what I'm here for. I'm here to see all of us filled and led and transformed by the Spirit of God, okay? And I'm praying, amen, amen, love that, I love that, amen. I love a clapping church, it's so good, all right? I can do that wherever you want, okay? And together we will see, again, what only God can do. Go Lord, go Lord. So Acts chapter eight, verse 26 um, I remind you, Philip has been so powerfully used. He preaches the good news in Samaria. Like revival breaks out around him. There's, there's joy taking over the city because that's what Jesus does. Gives us joy in the midst of all circumstances of life. It's hard and painful and the joy that comes and the gospel is moving in extraordinary ways. But of course, the Lord's not done with this gospel. Verse 26. Now, an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. Uh, this is a desert place. And he rose and went. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot. And he was reading the prophet Isaiah. 
And the Spirit said to Philip, this is amazing, go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand um, what you are reading? Okay, so what we're doing today, God is supernaturally guiding his early church. We want that to happen to us. So we're gonna take the outline and use it as a prayer. And this takes us to point number one, okay? Here's our prayer. Oh Lord, would you guide us to supernatural appointments? God, would you guide us to supernatural appointments. Now, isn't it, I hope you know what I'm talking about when I say this, isn't it spiritually thrilling and exhilarating when you know that God has led you to specific people at specific times to have specific conversations, that is no way that you made that happen. You know what I'm talking about? Like when you are supernaturally appointed to talk to specific people at a time and you come away from that and you're like, that was so the Lord. Like there's no way that was of me. So I look back upon my journey in Christ and I, I could come up with several dozen examples like that. I was praying about it this week and I thought of one that came to mind. I was 22 years old. Um, I, I wasn't yet saved in Christ, but I was on a, God was working in my heart, seeds were being planted. It was in this unique time of my journey and testimony where I graduated university. I was in business initially on an entry-level sales position. I really didn't know what life was going to bring. I was just trying to earn a paycheck and go through. It's a very brief time, but it was in this season. And I found myself at a business call with a company in Toronto. It was actually um, called Jane's Family Foods. And you might know they, they make great chicken and meat and stuff like that in the stores, or whatever. And, um, and so I was there and I was scheduled to meet with one of the vice presidents, who I think was actually a family member of the Jane family, as I recall. And I was there at that time and I went in for all the business stuff and I was getting so young and raw, but I was there. And it wasn't long into this conversation that I realized that God was doing something somehow, some way. And bless this, bless this gentleman, here his first name, bless his heart. He, he recognized that somehow in me, God was doing something. And, and what happened like 10 minutes into the meeting, all the business kind of went to the side and all of a sudden he took the next hour and he massively encouraged me in the gospel, in Jesus Christ, and what it means to follow him. And like, I sat there and I, I remember, I can remember, I can remember the desk. I remember I was, I can remember the feeling I had of being absolutely exhilarated that this was happening. And at one point I'm like, am I going to get fired for doing this? <laughs> and it's like, wait, wait, you started the conversation, not me. You know what I mean? That kind of thing. And I remember being there. And then I, I an hour was passed. We talked about the Lord the whole time. It was so encouraging. I remember walking back to my car and sat down and I was stunned. Like I was just, because for me as a young man, who again, I don't, I wasn't yet saved. I was moving so close, but I remember like this, this God is real. Like that, there's no way that was of me. There's no way. The Lord is working and you're aware of these things and you get a sense. And I mean, I was so overwhelmed with the understanding supernatural things happen. It's so humbling, so beautiful, so awesome. It's the supernatural leading of the Lord that whether it's happening to you or from you, we're so massively encouraged um, in the process. This is what's going on in the Bible here today as well. Look at verse 26. Here we have Philip again, um, a man on fire with the Holy Spirit, by the way. Um, there's no question. He had seen revival break out through his preaching in Samaria. God gives him his next mission now. Now, certainly, Kate, okay, certainly grace is on Philip, right? He, he can't take credit for what's happening. It's, it's God's grace. But here's what we do know. Um, God is looking for willing vessels. 
God is looking to use people who are faithful and available to him. In Acts chapter six, it tells us regarding Philip and some of the other leaders mentioned there that he had a good reputation. He was full of the Holy Spirit and he was full of wisdom um, as well. So obviously here, Philip was a man who was pursuing godliness. He had tremendous faith and he was ready to be powerfully used. Let me stop there just for a second, okay? That's a lot. That's a lot right there I just said. Philip was ready to be power. He was, he was open and hungry. Question, are you? Like in all honesty right now, the Lord is looking for people to fill and use. The reality is that there's many times we're not even putting ourselves in a position to be used and available because we're so preoccupied with the world around us and our selfish desires. We're not pursuing godliness and we're not pursuing Christ. And no wonder then we're not seeing supernatural activity happen through our lives. But see, Philip was. And in verse 26, notice an angel, amazing, says to Philip, rise and go towards the south. Now look at verse 27. Notice it says, and he rose and he went. Do you see that? Hey, Philip, rise and go. He rose and went. It wasn't, hey, Philip, go to the south. And he's like, well, just a second. Let me check my schedule. Or wait, just a second. I want to see if I kind of feel, well, you know, I'm kind of tired. I'm going to take a break. Oh, I'm not sure if I want to do that. There's none of that. There's none of that. No hesitation, no excuses, no rationalization. It was, he rose and he went upon the command again of what the Lord wanted him to do. So watch this. Okay, watch this. Ready? With supernatural guidance, we see immediate obedience. That's the key. Supernatural guidance leads to immediate obedience. That is so beautiful. So Philip's life, man, I, I've, I've never studied Philip in this amount of detail before. Philip's life, he is raising the flag of his life and he just says, Holy Spirit, you, you blow the wind. I will go wherever you want me to go. That's what he's doing. That, that, that's incredibly faith-filled way to live. You raise the flag and it's nice and firm and ready for the wind to hit it. And the wind of the Holy Spirit comes along and he directs you exactly where he wants you to go. This is the life of Philip. And one of the reasons again, that he's being so powerfully used. Like he's just like Psalm 143, verse eight and 10. He's right. Show me the way, teach me, Lord. Let your good spirit lead me on level ground. I'll hoist the sails. And now you, Holy Spirit, you direct me in the direction that you would have uh, for my life. Notice the Bible mentions in verse 26, it mentions the road he was to go on was a desert place. Why does it mention that? Why is that detail important? Why is that even there? Here's why. Because it's the road less traveled. There were two specific roads to go down to Gaza in this direction. One was common, one was less common. One would have been, you know, a road of fruitfulness, you can say. One was a road to a barren place and a barren road. Notice God leads him down the place that is barren, the road that is barren. And from a human understanding, he would say, well, why would I go there? There's nothing there. There's no reason to go there. There's seemingly nothing ever happens there. God's like, do you trust me? Do you trust me? Again, Philip doesn't, he doesn't ask. He's just led. What are we learning? Ready? The closer we are to the Lord, the more sensitive we are to his leading. Listen, the closer we are to the Lord, the quicker we will be in responding that's what we're learning here too. I wonder sometimes, how much do we miss out on because we're not faithful and not available to the Lord? I wonder about that. 
I wonder in our lives if we just don't sense the Holy Spirit leading us in thought and word and deed. Well, here's why I know it doesn't happen. It's because again, we live in a world we are inundated on a daily basis with an endless amount of information leading to distraction. And a lot of us, let's just be honest with ourselves. We are so distracted, so preoccupied, sometimes just lazy in spiritual endeavors and selfish. And therefore all those things become anti-Christ within our lives. And again, that's why we're not sensing and seeing the Lord direct us as maybe we think we should. Again, so the Lord led Philip to a barren place. Here's a good question, eh? God says, I want you to go down in this direction. And it's not the place that's sought after. It's a barren place. It's a desert place. Very few go there. No one really wants to go there. My question for all of us, I'll be first, is that am I willing to go? Am I willing to go to the barren place? You know, the place that's uncomfortable. You know, the place that we might, you know, sense we're like, well, that's like, I like my ease. That, that place that's hard to get to. That place that's awkward at times. That place that deals with difficult people. You know, that place, that place that God's asked us maybe uh, several times, but every time we found a reason not to go. Are we willing to go to the barren place? Here's what I think right now in this room, I think right now for sure, I think as we seek God's will, I think many of us already know the answer to that question. I think many of us already know, God's already made it clear, reach that person, love that person, go to that situation, extend yourself over in that area of your life. I think many of us already know the answer to that question, but we found reasons to not do it because it's the barren place or it's a place that brings us out of our place of comfort. I'm telling you right now, like just in a moment of like pastoral, understanding and just a willing to be bold and telling you, maybe God, maybe again, he's saying to you, he's like, you know what? You know what you're hearing right now is just so right. I've already told you. I've been leading you in grace and love. And my child, I'm urging you again. You know my will. Will you respond in obedience and trust me in the process? Will you go to the barren place? Because that's where I'm gonna show you again, my glory. I'm gonna do work. I'm gonna, I'm gonna again, I'm gonna encourage you greatly. And it won't be easy, but it's gonna be great. So Philip responds there. He sees an Ethiopian eunuch, a court official. You can see in verse 27, a court official of Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, and he was in charge of her treasure. So quite an important individual. This man was evidently searching. Um, he was on a genuine path to worship. He traveled 200 miles from Ethiopia to Jerusalem. He was returning. He was reading God's word. So there's, <laughs> there's something stirring in him. He was the seeker in the most genuine definition of that. Notice this too with Philip though, as he's led to the Ethiopian. Notice God only says, hey, Philip, go down to the road to Gaza, the barren place. And he's like, all right, step one. Notice Philip doesn't say, okay, God, I'll go. But can you give me steps one through 10? We do that a lot. I'll go, God, but I want to see basically now to the end of my life so I can know certainty and security and I can have such safe passage. I want to see everything, God, before I go. That's not the way God works. Like, more often than not, they're like, no, I'm asking you to take step one. And you're like, but I don't want to take step one. He's like, okay, fine, I won't give you step two. You know what I mean? Like, kind of like, but God does that. Why? Because we learn so much in trust and faith in step one. If we knew all the steps ahead of time, we wouldn't learn anything. So he's like, hey, Philip, step one. Philip's like, yep, I'm in. 
He's like, great, step two. Phil's like, yep, I'm in, step two. Next thing you know, what's step, step three? There he is. And he's hearing the Ethiopian reading a thing. He follows the Lord. He trusts the Lord. He's blessed by the Lord. I'm telling you, who needs to take something from that? But God, I want to see all the steps. And I was like, no, you're not going to see all the steps. That's called heaven, okay? For now, do you trust me with the first step? Man, that's a big thing for us right now. The obedience in the moment to what we know God is asking us to do. That applies in so many different ways. Look at verse 29. And the spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. I love verse 30. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet um, and he asked. Now, now I love that the Bible tells us that Philip ran. Why is that there? Why, why would that detail exist? Philip ran. What do you deduce from that reality in scripture, every word put there by the Holy Spirit that Philip ran? What does that make you think about Philip? Here's what makes me think of Philip. Makes me think of a man of tremendous faith. Makes me think he's fired up, man. Makes me think he's excited. Uh, you run often when you're filled with joy and your tremendous anticipation. Makes me think he's eager. Makes me think he can't wait to see what God's gonna do next. And that one word where he ran says so much of what we want to be like Philip within our lives. Eagerness, expectation, joy, enthusiasm. Again, uh, believing and filled with faith uh, for what's gonna happen next. I love that. He's a man on fire. And he knows he's in the will of God. He hears him reading scripture. And at that moment, Philip knows what he needs to do. I mean, Philip must be so fired up right there when he comes and he comes next to the chariot and he hears him reading Isaiah 53 of all passages. He's so encouraged. Why? Ready, ready, ready. He's so encouraged because there's nothing like knowing you're in the center of God's will. There's nothing so satisfying than knowing you're in the center of God's will. Isn't it interesting that faith though is the greatest key to taking us to places? You know, um, so often we resist what God wants us to do and we miss out on the blessing. So much of the Christian life is just showing up. So this, so this, this past week at the prayer meeting, the brother I love, he came up to me and he was there at the end and again, again, we weren't at the prayer meeting. You got to come to the next one, okay? So it was, it was, it was encouraging to me. He comes up to me after prayer meeting. He's like, hey man, he's like, I'm good to see you, man. Good to see you. I love this guy. And he's like, hey man, I got to confess something right away. I'm just, I love his heart. Okay, what, what is it? What is he? I got to confess. We came here tonight, wife and I, and, and um, dropped our kids off, but we left. I was like, oh, but you're here now. And he's like, yeah, we, we actually drove away. He didn't want to come to pray. And I said, I, I get that because I feel that too sometimes. We actually ended up at the Home Depot Plaza over there. And I got on my car to do stuff and my wife asked me to get back in the car. And next thing you know, I realized we need to turn around and we came back. We came about 30 minutes late, but we came back. And I go, that's amazing, man. <laughs> and just like, like the opposition to coming to prayer. I get it. I got so much grace. I mean, it's just so difficult. I heard multiple stories that night of people who were in such a battle to get here. But he says to me, he goes, but listen, do you think I'm glad that I showed up? And I'm like, I know you are, bro. I know you are, right? And he was. And the battle that goes on is so much of life is showing up. We take the easy path, we just neglect. We don't do what God's called us to do. And we miss out on what God would have used us to do in the process. Um, coincidentally, this week, I was listening to a podcast, John Stone Street, it's called Breakpoint. I was interviewing, he's interviewing a woman on a book she wrote. It's a really encouraging podcast. He mentioned this in passing though. He mentioned, he says, you know, um, 
Uh, last year, at November last year, the most recent Nobel Peace Prize winner was the Ethiopian prime minister who's an evangelical Christian. And he says that and he goes, and that all began in Acts chapter eight. That got my intent. I've been studying it all week. In Acts chapter eight, again, with Philip, with the Ethiopian eunuch and share the gospel with him. And the Ethiopian gives his life to Christ and takes the gospel back to Ethiopia, which was the start of the spread of the genuine gospel in that country, which in some form, in some way has carried all the way over to millennium for the evangelical prime minister today who just received the Nobel Peace Prize award winner for his, because of his work and his faith in the Lord Jesus Christ as an active, again, form of his leadership. And I'm like, that's so encouraging. Aren't you encouraged by that? I'm so encouraged. Amen. Amen. I'm listening. I'm listening. I'm like, that wasn't, a, that wasn't coincidence. Write that down for the sermon. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, that is awesome. That is awesome. And to be aware of that and to know that and be so encouraged by that. Listen, listen, listen. All that to say this. So often we, we have, really have no idea how much God has in store for us. We don't know the next person we're going to witness to. We don't know the impact that will bring. We don't know how much engagement we have the genuine gospel. People are saved in Jesus Christ and where they will go from that. Do you think Philip really had a clue that would lead to what we just described? He couldn't see it fully, but he was obedient and he was powerfully used. See, loved ones, all that to say this, we must pray for supernatural appointments and anticipate them and then be obedient to them. I love God's heart in um, Acts 8 too, because you see him reaching a city in Samaria, but then you see him reaching an individual, the Ethiopian eunuch, his care, his care for the individual. Question, when's the last time you genuinely prayed for supernatural appointments? Like when's the last time we genuinely prayed and were anticipating supernatural appointments upon our life. You know, in our world, there, there's a lot of hostility towards the gospel in our nation right now. But listen, there, there's a lot, there's a lot of hurting people. Like within the darkness, what happens is when you remove God from the equation, the darkness and the desperation intensifies. The media won't report, they won't report the negative sides of rejecting God, but the, the side effects are immense and the loneliness and the despair and the depression and the discouragement and the purposelessness, it's all around. There's so many people searching. So for all the hostility, there's a whole nother group of people that are desperately and dying to hear a message of hope that is found only in Jesus Christ. And as pastor right now here in this setting, I want to sincerely challenge you right now for anyone who is committed as a person who attends Hope Bible Church, okay? So here's what happens. Been here almost 16 years now in ministry, 20 years. I've seen it over and over again. People come into the church. Um, God works genuinely often in that setting. They get encouraged. They're excited. What happens is though, Satan seeks to pick off anyone he can. And it starts small. They miss a weekend. They don't show up to gather time here at the church. They miss their small group, home group. They, they kind of um, 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 let go of accountability. And one week becomes a month. And once you disconnect and the accountability stops and there's not the conversation community, month becomes six months and six months becomes a year and so on. We've seen over and over and over again. My plea for you right now, who can you think of in your life right now 
And especially if they have been formally connected to you in a spiritual sense or to this church, who can you reach out to and love again with Christ to draw them back in to the center of where love and you know, and they know they need to be? Who who is the Lord bringing to mind? I've seen this happen in my life in the last 10 days in just amazing supernatural ways. And praying it has a glorious again end of someone drifting and brought back to the center where God can fill and bless and use. But I'm asking you, if we all do that together, if all of us seek to love and bring back one sheep again that we can think of again, this church would be entirely changed again. It'd be entirely changed again. Like, again, I, I'm asking you to take this so seriously. I'm asking you to feel the burden of the Lord himself that he would place upon you, not, not, not put on someone else, not put on Pastor Robbie, not put on the elders, not put on some leader over there, but, but all of us together collectively. God, would you burden us with a soul that we would be used to love. If you'd like to hear this message again or the rest of the messages from this series, you can find these free resources and more on our website at liveinthelight.ca. That's liveinthelight.ca. If you'd like to get a copy of the entire series, make sure you phone us at 1-844-22-LIGHT. That's 1-844-225-4448. Our mailing address in Canada is 500 Great Lakes Boulevard in Oakville, Ontario. Our postal code is L6L6X9. I'm Craig Turnbull, and on behalf of Robbie Simons, we invite you to join us again next time on Live in the Light.